0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: On this episode of The Booze Hustle, I interview Devin Reed, otherwise known as wine and culture in LA. When it comes to having a cool sommelier job, I'd say Devin's ranks pretty far up there. Among his many projects— He consults for NBC, advising on all aspects of beverage content for a television show. He's worked as the global retail specialist for LVMH. He runs a private wine concierge business, and he's worked on wine entertainment projects with stars like LeBron James. Now he's running his own YouTube channel where he educates and tastes wine with guests like Cedric the Entertainer, Phil Augusta Jackson, and many more. He's a super cool guy. I had a ton of fun getting to know him. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, first, um, so I don't know if you've ever heard the podcast before, but uh, I talk to people in and around the wine and spirits industry or friends of mine, um, you know, kind of across the board, um, really just about like how they got to be where they are. Um, I, I don't I don't know about you, but like being in the wine business, I, I try to listen to wine podcasts and often my eyes start glazing over because it's like yeah. a sedative. So yeah. I try to make this a little bit more fun about like the people.
2: Are we recording yet? Yeah, this, cool. is, this
1: is the format. We just jump in. <laughs> let's go. Okay, let's go,
2: let's go.
1: I do a ton of education and you do a ton of education. I'm really interested in the vast like, pool of experiences that people in our business come from because we mm-hmm. all come from really unique backgrounds, really different places, a lot of yeah. misfits, and we all kind of ended up in this world And I find that really interesting. So um, my first question to you is, um, where are you from? Um, Where were you born? And how does that shape who you are today?
2: Where am I from? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised. It was a very uh, loving environment growing up uh, in a way um, because I had my mom and my grandmother who were just like the central figures of my life. Uh, Grew up in a house with a lot of love. As soon as you step outside that house, though, outside that front door, we were in like one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the United States. St. Louis's top five crime rate definitely was an environment that <sighs> there was a lot of experiences outside the house that we tried to stay away from, and also that that kind of kept me in the house in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm from. So, I mean, a um very I guess urban kind of street smart savvy kind of guy a survivor you know what I mean and I think that that kind of
1: Virgo um
2: a Virgo (laughs) Ooh, that's that's a whole different ball of shit Mm -hmm. um but I but I think uh the resilience the ability to to survive and, and navigate through different things it's an experience that I wouldn't you can't buy it and I just I wouldn't trade it for the world it was so impactful but so yeah just a lot of love but also a lot of adversity um and and that kind of I think prepared me for a lot of things that got thrown at me in life on top of the fact that I had a really good education I went to some really good schools I went to well my first elementary school was not a good school it was like <laughs> this really hood. it was like this really hood school mm-hmm. <laughs> like a, a block from my grandmother's house but I think by um uh, first grade is when I started going to some a lot better schools, some um, like educate like gifted academies and um, schools. You're gifted. Like, I mean, that's what they said. They, you know, they just throw these.
1: <laughs> I didn't realize I was talking some, to a gifted Virgo. I'm gonna have to change I, a lot of my questions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that, but that imagine how much that helps a kid. Like when yeah. you tell them, like you're gifted, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not like you. I know. The ghetto motherfuckers. So, you, though,
1: they should do that with all kids. Like, I, I really feel like it, it is psychological to some degree. Like, if you tell a room full of kids, you guys are the smart ones here. For sure. They got to, like, rise to the occasion. They Like, they walk a little taller. Like, there's probably some studies done on that, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. It gives, it gives kids confidence no matter what walk of life you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially me, being a black kid and growing up in the inner city with a bunch of other black kids. You tell some kids that have uh some like, some circumstances around them that are more difficult than others that they're gifted it gives them hope you know what mm-hmm. I mean so um yeah I went to some good schools all the way up through high school I went to like uh the number one academic high school in the state of Missouri uh then I went to University of Missouri I'm a tiger as long is as, that as you're the not orange Jayhawk,
1: is that yeah taller- but-
2: well yeah that's kind of yeah the oh. tiger colors yeah as long as you're not a kansas jayhawk then we're good we don't have okay. any, we're we're fine but if you're a kansas jayhawk then i had to punch you in your beak i don't um, even know what that is go, okay don't even worry about it there's we don't nothing that you need to know <laughs> about kansas jayhawks at
1: all i know nothing
2: nothing good that is comes that out ba- of.
1: basketball or football
2: uh, they're they're huge basketball. That's okay. our our cro- cross state college rivalry. So University of Missouri Tigers, and then the Kansas Jayhawks. We got this crazy. Okay, rivalry. well, I I but, live uh, in the state
1: with the UConn Huskies, which everybody loves to hate on. Ooh, so,
2: ooh, I like UConn. I've always liked UConn.
1: Yeah, they've got some great teams.
2: Yeah, they won the national championship in 1999. Mm-hmm. Ask me how I know that because that's like my favorite college team.
1: Do you know I I kind of feel like a little bit of a. You know, like it it wasn't my rival school, but like I went to college twice once I went when I was really young and I majored in smoking weed and I had to drop out. But when I went to that college, it was Central Connecticut State University where like the poor dumb kids went and we had a basketball team and I would just compare it to like the Bad News Bears. They were like, not good enough to get to Yukon. <laughs> but they yeah, all really yeah. thought they were good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I guess I've always had a weird taste in my mouth about Yukon. but anyways. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, no, I, I love freaking Yukon.
1: Childhood heroes. Who were your Michael childhood Jordan. heroes? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan? Not are even, they all sports people? Him.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, my childhood hero was Michael Jordan.
1: So how did you end up in L.A.?
2: um have you ever been to st louis Shit. i mean no but i well actually no, i've driven
1: <laughs> through very quickly
2: I, uh, I love home it was just time for me to just go do something uh, different my dad is a retired major in the air force and he had an assignment in la
1: yeah la's la is wild i was actually there a week ago oh yeah we tried to meet up and mm-hmm, that didn't happen but mm-hmm. yeah, um, no, I'm sorry what was your so when you were in LA how did you I mean I I, I read your bio I did my homework on you mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, but but tell our listeners like how did you first kind of get into the wine industry like how did that happen for you
2: I was working at the Air Force and needed a change wasn't making any money I uh, was just kind of with what i was doing and kind of had conquered i guess the my, my career path and um i remember going to my boss uh at the air force base, and i asked uh, you know if i can have a raise and he was like he's like we can't they have this like crazy thing in, in some branches of the air force where like you get raised like raises like once every like two years and then once every four years and it's like this, these they call them step increases and they're just like She's like, oh, so I have to wait two years to get a sixty-eight cents increase. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. I think I'll, I think I'll leave now. Hard pass. Yeah. So, um, I applied for a job at a uh, a wine company. Uh, but, but so I was, I was managing a, a warehouse. I was retail management. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for another like retail management job at this wine company. And I was just applying for retail management jobs at any company. I didn't care what kind of company it was. But wine company came about. Um, and this was ten years ago. And I was like, you know, stumbled upon this, had a couple interviews. Next thing you know, I'm hired as the uh, warehouse manager for um this wine company called Wally's Wine and Spirits, mm-hmm. which had been around for I think at that point about forty, fifty years, I wanna mm-hmm. say. And I knew nothing about it, but it had been, you know, one of the like preeminent wine shops in LA for a long time. So that is literally how I got my first start in the wine industry.
1: Now were you drinking wine before this in any capacity?
2: Uh no. I was putting red wine in the fridge.
0: <laughs> I was
2: my favorite my favorite white was gray goose. I mean like yep. I I didn't know nothing about wine at all, but but that combined with just my general nerdiness and me trying to understand what it is. With the uh, wine that I'm, uh, you know, all the stuff that I was dealing with, uh, gave me like this curiosity to
1: kind of learn more about wine. Mm-hmm. Don't hate on putting wine in the fridge because I put some breads in the fridge sometimes too. Well,
2: I mean, in well, the summertime, you
1: know, I need a slight chill. You know, going out. And, and let me be
2: and, and let me be clear. I got so <laughs> much wine in the fridge right now. Like I new. love, I love putting champagnes, my whites. I keep them, but but I I just didn't know anything yeah. about. It was a widget
1: wine. at that point. Oh yeah. So you got your start at Wally's. You started learning mm. a little bit about it. What was yeah. it about wine that like triggered more of a passion than just like a job for you?
2: Well, it was this. It's this interesting thing, right? It's like it's alcohol first of all. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yes. so it, there was a cool factor. I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit. I mean, so, but but also just kind of like learning what this thing was. I'm like, you know, why are people paying like so much money for? some of these bottles and like mm-hmm. I was like what the hell why is this five hundred dollars like and and then that thing came about and then you know there was a lot of I worked with a lot of very smart people a lot of sommeliers a lot of wine experts and I just never wanted to be like the the least knowledgeable person in the room so mm-hmm. between that me being a nerd and then also beginning to rise up the ranks of the, the company I just felt it was just only right that I continue to dig more and learn more and that's when i started taking classes at ucla wine education and management started digging into the society of wine educators certified wine specialist mm-hmm. and that was on the very early stages of me deciding whether or not i wanted the song title so mm-hmm. that's kind of how it all began just this curiosity and this just just nerdy shit basically
1: yeah i hear you it all starts mm-hmm. with being a nerd What do you think people most misunderstand about what a psalm is?
2: I think everyone um, has seen the psalm movies and they think immediately that I'm a master sommelier, Mm -hmm. which is basically like getting a doctorate in wine. And I'm not. I, I have more knowledge than most people in the wine industry only because of my experience in the wine industry for so long. But everybody does think that I'm the coolest motherfucker in the room. Which is great. I love it. It's just that, you know, truly I'm on just as much of a journey as everybody else. Yes, I have more knowledge than most people, but I I'm constantly studying. I'm constantly learning. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a course right now, just a little quick online course. Um uh, which is wine folly is actually a very easily yeah. accessible resource to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking a little course with them and I'm good friends with, with them. And um, I'm always learning something. I'm always brushing up on something. I forget stuff too. And so I mm-hmm. just kind of got to go back, but uh, that's probably the most misunderstood thing, but it's all a journey and it's fun to, to go on a journey with people and, and learn yeah. more experience. It's, explore it's
1: interesting. You could always tell people that are really wine knowledgeable because, People that don't know shit about it say they know a a ton and act like they know the most. But people that are on that journey are gonna say, like, the more you learn, the more you realize I know absolutely nothing compared to like the amount there still is to learn. So it's like, it's this evolving, continuous process, which is, I think, why I think certain personalities are really attracted to this. It's, you know, nerds truly, because Mm -hmm. you're never done learning. There's not like a point where you're like, I've got it all you know, now I just have to execute on it. It's like a constant, continuous process. And as like the wine world evolves, we have to evolve with it. We have to keep learning. Um, I'm really interested your thoughts on culture, because, you know, I love to see how wine is slowly making its way into black culture more. And there's more collaborations, there's more partnerships between like music and sports. What's your experience been like? Being one of the very few Black psalms like out in California, even nationally.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and really quick, on to your last point, probably the best advice I've ever gotten, the most the most realest advice I've ever gotten in the wine industry is from a guy who was I used to work with. He had been a wine buyer for like Napa wines for like twenty five years, and he was like, "I was like, how do you know all this stuff? Like, how do you learn all this stuff?" And he's like, "Devin." I don't know shit. He's like, <laughs> I've been that. doing this. He's like, I've been doing this for 25 years and I don't know nothing. He was like, I know what I know, but there's new wines every year. There's brands I've never touched. He's like anybody in the wine industry that tells you that they know everything about wine is lying to you. Yeah. And I was like, damn. So it's, it's really one of those things that you, try to conquer and there's just there's, there's too much. I have some massive sommelier friends that, mm-hmm. you know, they, there's no way that they know everything. It's just, they just don't. Um, Can't. But to to answer your question, what is my experience like uh, being one of the few black Psalms and yeah. as far as the culture and it's just, again, like, it's, it's, it's definitely unique because there's not a lot of us. Uh, I actually, to, let me change the statement. There are a lot more black Somalis and even just minority Somalis uh to to include everybody um that i didn't even know about i've met some great uh folks recently i just uh, did an event with a lady named tanya pitts who has been a Somalier at the um at a very kind of like high performing restaurant in san francisco mm-hmm. for years turns out we're both from the same hometown we're both from st louis so we're we're friends now but it, it has been a unique experience to get to to bring i think something New and kind of off the beaten path to people that look like me, people that maybe just aren't haven't always traditionally been turned on the wine. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, and I, I think like I said, I always get the like reaction of like you're a Somali, and it's just like you know that excitement I guess with that. And then to be honest, I I gotta give credit to the power of media, and I have to give credit to the power of music and television because. Those people that are making those song movies, and those putting those movies on Netflix, and the music we hear, the the, the icons in hip hop, are you know the OGs, the Jay Zs, mm-hmm. the Drakes, LeBron. You know they're wine lovers. They talk about it. They show the world that they love wine, and it's just opening up, uh, and not just again, not just black people, but just opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, a a different urban youth culture that loves Jordans and loves smoking weed and, you know, it's just kind of telling them that there's another little adjacent nuance and it's wine and uh, it's dope.
1: I Yeah, I love that. I also, I just, I feel like the changes are happening, like, from, not from the inside out, from the outside in, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense, because, like, wine culture in general has never been a very inclusive place and that goes for women and men of all cultures (laughs) so like but i feel like definitely there's been especially in the last five years and a lot of it's like you're saying like it becoming more mainstream um you know people learn ways to to people access and learn about things have become so much more mainstream that it's like it's really happening organically from the outside in which is very cool Mm Was it with LeBron you did what you worked? What was his show? What was that show called that you hosted?
2: Um, uninterrupted. They during the pandemic, they did they were uh, just looking for some content to create uh, during the pandemic when we were all stuck in our fucking living rooms (laughs) and just looking at the same people every day. And so I've just been, you know, blessed and lucky to get to meet those guys and know uh, that whole team. And they asked me to just come do some wine wednesdays and just keep it fun and got a couple athletes on there a couple some some entertainers and, and some personalities and just have some fun with it so it's just again part of the larger extension of you know lebron loves wine and mm-hmm. is really knowledgeable about his stuff and so and he's like an encyclopedia anyway <laughs> but um it's just it was just cool to to be able to kind of work with them because and, and honestly that is truly one of the funnest things i've ever done in my career if i had to choose between all the the shit i've done a lot of it's really boring but (laughs) those type of things are are very fun to like tie it all in with who i am and who i identify with and being a basketball fan and Mm -hmm. you know being a minority and just that that's that really makes it all cool
1: that's awesome yeah that seems like a very cool experience now i saw also you were working with lvmh do you still work with them because your job title so, like, obviously, I, I had to look at your LinkedIn, which, by the you way, stalked me. One of my you favorite things me. to do when I don't know somebody <laughs> is you look at their LinkedIn and then you look at their Instagram and, like, you compare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like true, true. LinkedIn, very buttoned up. And then Instagram true. is, like, people's actual personality, which is really funny. Exactly. Uh, but global travel retail specialist. What is that? Yeah. What is that?
2: That was a very, very fancy way of saying that I was just responsible for managing the uh, brands in all of the airports, duty free um, yeah. as well as any of those those type of international channels. so there's there's I can bore you with all these acronyms, but there's a lot of ways that people are able to buy wine uh, internationally in mm-hmm. airports through channels and there's a ton of like uh, people that love the LVMH portfolio over in like um, Asian countries mm-hmm. and just internationally. and so I was just in charge of managing. Um, the brands from that perspective and I had a team to help me out with that um, I was only with LVMH for a short amount of time because then covid Isha came in and mm. decided to sneeze on everybody So the world got COVID um, Everything went to shit uh, But that was truly one of my um, uh, Funnest jobs, coolest roles And I still got so many friends and good contacts there That are um, just amazing folks Yeah,
1: that's uh, a that great portfolio a I mean, shit you get to sell Krug.
2: <laughs> oh, man. And Dom. Mm. And I, I missed out on the chance to sell Ace. They did the the deal with Ace of Spades after I left. Oh. Yeah. And then, you know, there's Hennessy. There's Moet. There's Belvedere. There's yeah. Art Big. So there's just like... Great buck. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Well, not, excuse me, not huge. Uh, good choice. Great selection of, of brands for sure.
1: Yeah. You seem too creative to live that supplier life for too long, though, because, like, as somebody who is, like firmly in supplier world that's my that's my real job uh, not my real job whatever but the job that pays the bills um i do this for my sanity because yeah. you know um yeah. just because it's not it's not it's not that sexy sometimes yeah but uh i'd love to hear a little bit about wine and culture in la tell our listeners a little bit about um your youtube series and um, you have do you have more coming? Like who yeah. is your favorite guest? Who sucked? Yeah. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I'm trying to think. Oh, you can tell Carl, Carl Tart that he sucked. He was okay. my worst. <laughs> I'll text Alvin. <laughs> like,
1: your voice said you was... sucked on his show.
2: <laughs> Carl, Carl was one of my favorite guests. Uh, wine and Culture is a uh, wine entertainment series that I put together to just kind of bring some uh, light, some entertainment and some fun into the wine world. Um and so what I do is we we film in Beverly Hills at this really cool wine cellar and we just bring on some fun guests and short format and we have some fun, do some wine education. We bring on some boss ass wines, some Yeah, can I be on your show? Dang. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Bring in some just just boss stuff and uh and then we just uh have some fun with it and then we sit down and do some interviews and ha- have some fun at the end. But It's it's way behind what my Instagram audience is, and way behind what my uh, footing is on Instagram. But Carl was definitely one of my guests uh, on the season, and he just he really brought a lot of fun and a lot of excitement. That dude was a character. Yep. Maverick Carter was a really good um, person that I got to chat with. He was also very insightful. He runs LeBron's uh, media empire, business Mm -hmm. empire. Good friend of mine um Cedric the Entertainer was my last uh guest on who just we're also uh, both from St. Louis so that was oh
1: I didn't that know was,
2: that mm-hmm, he's born and raised in St. Louis that was a dream come true like a full circle Hell moment yeah. for me um, I didn't know he mom. had
1: winery like I didn't know he made had wines I was like yeah. how do I interview Cedric about his wines <laughs> like,
2: yeah yeah like, I wish dang. I should I should I should give him a, a call god that's, he, that's cool he just partnered with a brand, a really cool brand called um, Smith Devereaux Wines up in Napa. Uh, mm-hmm. Ian Devereaux-Smith is the one who uh, really helped facilitate everything for me. Huge, huge shout out and thank you to Ian for that. But uh, yeah, they they came together on a project. They're good friends and, and said now has uh, Seta.
1: show that Dev does. It's uh, Wine and Culture LA. The episodes are great. There's, I think, six episodes out now, but mm-hmm. it's great because the there's educational pieces that are layered in. You know, mm-hmm. like or, on the mm-hmm. screen, it doesn't feel like you're sitting down for a boring class. It's conversational. Yeah. Um, it's fun. They taste wine together. You yeah. and I got to join forces in getting people to like. I was who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody about how um, the drink world in general has not gone as mainstream as culinary, and there's. Reasons for that, I think a lot of networks are scared because of the alcohol component and the safety issues and who's watching television. Whereas like everybody eats, everybody likes food, not everybody drinks. But it's like there's still such a big fucking segment of people that would be interested in this stuff. Um, I think drink culture, not drink culture. Oh, what the hell is it called? Drink Masters was -hmm. like a good intro to that like really top tier bartending Almost like culinary bartending, because like I never made drinks like that, but like mm-hmm. you know, like it was a good exposure and it was a good test, I think. But like right. we got to join forces and start like you know pitching pitching these ideas into the mainstream and like you know put it out there. For
2: sure, for sure, yeah. There's there's so many opportunities for us to get the 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 cool factor of it. You know, somebody once told me, uh, wine is the uh, is the is the main character the alcohol or the drink is, is, is strong enough and holds up enough to be the, the, the the main part of why we're here. It just does. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stories to be told around it. But like you said, like, I remember my first wine tasting, it was the most boring shit I have ever been to in my life. And me just being like, I don't know, I was like 25 or something like that. And I was just like, when are we gonna fucking taste this shit? Like the guy is standing over there talking at us. Yeah. And I'm like, I just took a break from work to come to a wine tasting, and this is what I mean. I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at everybody. I'm holding my glass. I'm looking at everybody. I'm like, when
1: the fuck is everybody gonna drink?
2: And it was so boring. Yeah. I was just like, God damn. So that's the last thing we want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do. Well, I I'm so glad to hear you say that, because just because like a, a big part of my um, I don't know. I feel like my contribution to the wine world is that I, um, I do a lot of education in my role. I try to make things like fun a little bit more accessible, not as daunting, like keep to. it moving. Like, you know, everyone's yeah. got shorter attention spans in general. Um, yeah. I did want to tell everybody about your um, consulting work. Um, mm-hmm. Dev has the coolest job. Like first of all, mm-hmm. my fucking dream job. He consults for a show on NBC called Grand Crew. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Grand Crew when Carl Tart was an episode last season. Um, and Dev is the guy that consults on that show to make sure that, like, the wine in the glass is the right color. They know the right language to use, that, like, yeah. they're talking about wine in the right way. How did you get that job, and how can I get that job?
0: <laughs> Man, yeah, what a cool I know. job! I-
2: the the last time I was there, uh I kinda had to pinch myself. The the uh, one of the producers came and she's like, Can you go and uh teach the staff how to uh or teach the cast how to how to swirl properly and then the, the background people too? I was like, Of course and then we were just chit chatting, got a great relationship and I was just like, This is my actual life. Like <laughs> you know. It was uh I, I can never ever uh, whenever I'm asked this question, I always have to give a shout out to my girl, Tuani Price, who is a South African wine educator. Uh, she's been featured in L.A. Times. Um, she does a lot of just amazing work. She's like my big sister. They actually reached out to her to do uh, the show. And she was in South Africa and she couldn't do it. And she's like, mm. I got the perfect guy for you. Reach out to my brother, Deb. And that's literally how it started. It, it literally started from there. So, for me, uh, if I would give advice to anybody out there who wants to do something like this is be prepared, know your shit, look for opportunities, and sometimes you just got to be in the right place at the right time, and I was. But super amazing. I mean, I think I first met the NBC uh, production team, and then, you know, I was asked to sit in on a couple Zoom meetings. We went over the script. I added, you know, little things to the script just to give it authenticity, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of goes it fast forward and you know i'm on set and you know now i know phil augusta jackson uh, very well he's a great guy he trusts me to kind of come on and help make it authentic so whether that's the background people that you see swirling the wine whether that's carl when he's on camera swirling the wine i actually even changed uh helped phil change some of the lines that phil had in one of the episodes that's coming up soon it's just like it's a it's a dream you know, it's really as a dream. So Still, cool. trust me. Carl's a great guy, and uh, yeah, and I hope we'll just keep doing stuff like that together. But it's it's definitely unique to be able to say that you contributed in a in a major way to an NBC show, and then yeah. watching the episodes. It's so super cool. cool. It's just like I was there. I was right there when they did that. I was I was standing there. So really cool.
1: I guess I a, a couple other things. I don't want to take up too much of your time today, but yeah, um, for sure. I'd love to hear like what are your what are your career goals like where where do we go from here
2: we're gonna take wine and culture I have a phenomenal team of some amazing folks that are behind me and just talented and just awesome we're all gonna go on this journey together to explore uh, wine and culture we're gonna continue to bring on some great people with us to have some fun we want to educate people but we don't like we just talked about we don't want to talk at people Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but we'll have some fun with that. Career goals is um, I just joined a uh, rosé company that you might have heard of called uh, La Lafette Rosé. Um, okay, hold a, on
1: a second. Mm-hmm. Time out here. We can talk about you this later when we're not I recording. Heard it first. Mm-hmm. But like, why do I feel like who who owns that?
2: You've seen it. Uh, the guy who owns it. His name is Donna Burstyn. He's former LVMH, just like me. He is now the number four luxury imported rosé in the United States. You probably heard about it in the Northeast. You would have had to. It's Cote de Provence, but it's all the grapes are sourced in Saint-Tropez. So we don't even brand it as Cote de Provence. That's boring. Yep. We do. We, we talk Saint-Tropez. Very and, cool. um, yeah, so so just latched on with uh, Lafette, Chris Paul, NBA, Phoenix Suns, became a equity partner last year. And uh, really gave the company a lot more means to expand, to do cool things and we're just all over the place. Anywhere in Miami, uh, now you'll be seeing it so much more in LA and all mm-hmm. over the place. So I wear a lot of hats. Um, Dane is has been amazing. He knows all the other things that I do and has never prevented me from remaining creative, has never prevented me from uh, doing uh, some of the things that I do as long as it's not in competition with sure. with LaFette. But ultimately me having that creativity and me being able to branch off and do those things ultimately helps him. It's a very smart move to say, do what you do, just know Rose. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, no, that's very cool. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Um well mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find some of that. I've been meaning to try yeah. it. I've heard really great things about it.
2: Yes. I got you, girl. All I need is your address.
1: Yeah. Ship it over.
2: That's all I need.
1: Who is like your? Who is like your? Uh, well, we're gonna talk about booze for a minute, cause like I yes. always like to just know what my wine and spirits people are drinking these days. Like Tuesday night, easy dinner takeout or just throwing some shit together. What are you drinking with that?
2: A uh, wine or booze?
1: Both, either, all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> easy takeout. To be honest, I'm definitely much more of a um, a white wine guy. So I'll grab a light, fresh white, like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Or I'll reach for a ser or I'm the original champagne poppy. And you can tell Drake I said that <laughs> I'm older than Drake.
1: He took that I'm from you. I'm older
2: than Drake. He took it from me. I'm older than him. I claim it.
1: Oh, man.
2: Uh, no, Drake's a great dude. I, I met Drake uh, before. But I was going to say, don't start
1: beef with Drake. He's got enough problems with everybody
2: already. <laughs> <laughs> I got no beef with Drake. I, I love Drake. And he's a, he's a cool guy. I love champagne. So, mm-hmm. I'm, like, all over some bubbles. So, I would usually go white. If it's red, I'm going with something maybe food-friendly like a mall bag. Going with something light like a I, – I don't mind, like, a, a burgundy uh, versus – You don't mind one, a burgundy? Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> like, you know, I don't like, mind That is burgundy. the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my know. entire life. Bur- versus, like, a Napa pinot, a California pinot. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with, like, a burgundy or something like that. But yeah. – um other than that booze oof. i well i you can't drink it i guess with everything but i fucking love mezcal i've been yeah. on the meanest mezcal kick for so so long really now. Uh, oh god i love me some mezcal but also uh i do dark dark so i'll do like bourbon mm-hmm. scotch something like that something to just get your chest yeah, get your warm, chest yeah. get your chest warm We got to stay
1: warm in LA. So makes the most sense. (laughs) So I'm wondering, you said you love mezcal. So do you love scotch too? Because, you know, depending on the scotch, I feel like they're very, very similar aesthetics, right? Like you got to have that palette for scotch. You got to have that palette. Well, certain PD scotch, but you know, are you a scotch drinker too?
2: Yeah, I am. They are definitely differentiators within their categories for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love me some Scotch. I'll go. I'll do some bag, something peaty. Um, but but also, I'm okay with like not a lot of spice and peat and wood. And I'm okay with just grabbing like something creamier, maybe sweeter. Just like give me just like a, a domestic bourbon.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I can name a bunch right now. Like I that that I could just I could just sip. And I got these uh, whiskey cubes, the ones that don't dilute your drink. Oh, just drop that. them in the freezer. Ah. I okay, get yep. so pissed off when I see people with ice. I'm like, ah. you know what?
1: Though there's a strong argument to be made for a little bit of water for that dilution for air. Boring. No, absolutely not. And listen, <laughs> listen, wine guy. You're talking to Boring. wine girl, but also I'm spirits girl. Okay.
2: True. You this are. is like my. I gotta give you your respect.
0: I gotta my wheelhouse you respect. is like
1: very spirits. So I yeah. will tell you when I do my education that like. You you can all day long drink it by itself, and that's fine. And if you want to have your nose hair burned off, that is also fine drinking some high – Everybody pie. likes having their
2: nose hairs but burned But I'm off. just
1: saying, a little bit of dilution, you're actually going to extract more um, flavor compounds. You're going to open up some aromatics. You're going to smell more shit than you would have if you didn't add it just a tiny bit.
2: Fine, fine, fine. All right, Virgo.
1: We're we're already fighting. Uh, Uh, It's going downhill uh. already. Um, No, but (laughs) um, I'd love for you to tell our listeners if they got $25 in their pocket, they're going to go to the package store which is what we call wine stores in the Northeast. I was like,
2: what's a package store? I was like, yeah. is that something that I don't know about? Okay, go
1: Yeah, it. it's a weird regional thing. It's like, it's like Hoagie or Grinder or Sub, you know? It's like mm. fucking, we call them package mm. stores. I don't know. Um, you can't buy wine in grocery stores here either. It's like, <gasps> it's so weird.
2: What are they doing to you guys, man?
1: It's like wine and liquor has to be in wine shops, package stores, retail stores, and then only beer in grocery.
2: I feel so sorry for you guys. You know, I'm sorry, I mean, you know. It's fine. Been, we're all, we're all I, okay. I, I, um,
1: I knew. But you got $25 in your pocket. You want to go in and you want to maybe like not impress your friends because who gives a shit? You, like, you got to drink what you like to drink. But like are there any wines that are killer under 25 bucks right now that um, maybe pick a red, maybe pick a white, that you say like you're never going to be disappointed if you grab one of these?
2: White, white. Okay, I have one. It doesn't I'm, have to I'm be a brand. Nowhere. You can
1: just go regen, Varietal. That's totally fine.
2: Then I'm always, I usually under twenty five for white. I usually steer people towards um, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc because you don't have to go for Cloudy Bay. You can go for Dog Point. You can go for Craggy Range. You can go for any one of those, uh, and they're usually they usually hover around that twenty five and under. But you're always, for the most part, going to get that same flavor profile, the same freshness. Uh, maybe not the same like. Balance and Christmas and clarity, but I say New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc on okay. the twenty-five. You might That's a mess a bold choice. And, yeah, I, I love it. You might mess around and just spend like seventeen dollars and just get something that pops. And you can do that with some fish. You can do that with some chicken. Mm-hmm. Whether you're putting a sauce on it, maybe I just want to grill some shrimp. Maybe I just want to eat the shrimp raw. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. however you want to kind of do that for something light. Oh man, a charcuterie board. Oh shit. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Okay. um Versus a Something more traditional. That's where I'm going to go. And then red, under $25, won't be disappointed. I think if people really get into the habit of looking in their Spanish wine aisle,
1: Holy they
2: shit, yeah. are going to be fucking blown away at mm-hmm. the quality that you can get from a Spanish red. For like 12 bucks. Oh my gosh. It's, it's stupid. It's stupid. Yep. And it's all quality wine and it's made in such there's a lot of different factors of why it's so cheap but, but I, I would I would definitely go Spanish red uh, my favorite is like, uh, Marquez de Riscal, mm. or like uh, even like a Marquez de Murrieta or something mm-hmm. like that and the bottles look cool because they got the wire on them it's just like oh look what I brought you some yeah. Spanish wine from España the Rueda yep. El Toro so there's there, that's that's what I would do I think it's hard to find better quality red oh, my favorite
1: thing. things i when i was um I, I was a sales rep for a distributor for years was bringing mm. like people that were like just steadfast i only drink like napa cab i only drink big cabs i would just be like those people like fruit because like a lot of california cabs very fruity, yeah. very fruity mm-hmm. fruit forward mm-hmm. so it's like you will like spanish wine you will like old vines garnacha you will like like Mm -hmm. Tinto de Toro like Mm -hmm. dang Mm -hmm. and you just watch their eyes like you could spend $75 on that bottle of wine or you could spend $15 on this and just like and like in a beverage program if you're a psalm or you're like a beverage director and you're trying to work on your cost and people don't know what these wines cost like that's a banger to have on a menu if you're trying to make some money 100%
2: and 100 percent you're uh, spot on and i love the people that are like i hate chardonnay okay let me bring you to chablis mm. let me change your life real quick yeah. i love that shit and it's, like you said same thing you get a nice chablis a little premier crew uh maybe it's village but maybe a premier crew for you know like 25 bucks so, yeah
1: you know yeah you, it's like you don't hate chardonnay you hate california yeah, chardonnay exactly. you don't even hate oregon you just hate california chardonnay because like there's exactly. some, there's some oregon chardonnay that's pretty sexy um yeah. What else? I feel like we covered a lot of stuff. I didn't I mean to yeah. keep you here this long. No, <laughs> like.
2: I'm good. I'm good. My I episodes just, are I... short
1: so people don't get sick of me. Well, I'm a fan of you. Um, I'm, I'm a fan following of you. your career. And when you're big and famous, just remember <laughs> that, that Booze Hustle podcast gal. Um, Can and, you just uh, bring me back
2: you. on when, uh, when you feel like I have become famous or
1: big or something? Can you just bring me back on? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Deb.